Oh, oh, yeah. He probably sleeps glitching. He's the becoming Matrix. the machine again. The Matrix is telling us. Oh, no. Oh, no. Twilight Zone now. Toby, are you lost in the Matrix? <laughs> Hi, everyone. In this week's episode, we'll be talking to Johnny and Tina, the beautiful actors in Girl in the Machine. A uh, bit of context, Girl in the Machine is a, a play, a two-hander play, which speaks about AI and social media and how people are always craving connections, no matter if it's human connections or digital ones. We'll speak more about it with the actors themselves in a minute. Hi guys, and we're here with Johnny and Tina, the two beautiful faces who you'll be seeing in Girl in the Machine. Hi there. Hello. Okay, so let's kick things off. So introduce yourselves, guys. Like, how are you involved in the production? How is, like, your role in this? Just tell us a bit how you guys are involved in Girl in the Machine as a whole. Oh, so I'll start. (laughs) So uh, I'm Tina. Uh, I'm an actor, and I play the character of Polly. And I'm Gianni. And I play the other character uh, called Owen. Okay, cool. Uh, Is your role solely acting or did you guys have some uh, kind of input when it came to creating? I I think mostly, again, we're we're hired for this and and we've been involved in this as uh, the the, the cast of the show. But um, the whole setup and and the way that uh, Michael Richardson has, has built the team around, it has been very collaborative. So he's involved us. Um, I mean, if we if we had to look at the the choice of the play, uh, that was something that was also discussed between us, uh, between myself, Tina, and and Michael, uh, as uh, we all we all knew that we wanted to work together, but it just um, it just had to find we we just had to find the right fit for what we wanted to do, and we chose after after some uh, research and and going through. A number of plays we've chosen Girl and Machine. Oh wow, so you guys were on board before you know what, what play you were doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh that's really cool. That's really really cool. I didn't know that. Okay, so in that regard, what would you say drew you both to Girl and the Machine? Was there something about it that had um like that je ne sais quoi? Was there something that in it that you really wanted to perform to audiences? Or did um Michael um, I should point out Michael Richardson's the director of this production. Um, did he just um, say, okay, here's a load of plays. Let's uh, see which would work best for you two. I, I think the other way around, actually. So uh, we, we knew that we wanted to do something together. And uh, we each went into our own little libraries and little corners yes. of, uh, of uh, our collection of plays and a collection of uh, ideas on what we wanted to work on. So um, we we each brought um, a set of plays that that we wanted to discuss or or um, um, see what what everyone thought of um, to the table, and then we we made a, a decision on what we wanted to do. But ultimately, again, um, it's produced and directed by Michael, so Michael had the final say. Uh, we strongly had opinions on on uh, which were our favorites, this being one of them. So I'm um, very glad that, that we actually managed to, to get um, get this on its feet. So the show itself, like Garden Machine itself, was like first performed in 2017 in Edinburgh. 
it was part of the national international science festival uh was there a specific moment in the past four years which kind of uh, guided you guys to picking this as like yes this is the right time and the right climate and the right uh state of mind for society to kind of be like this is the what they need to be watching and what they need to be discussing and kind of talking about and seeing Tina, what are your thoughts on that um yeah i mean i guess we've been exposed to uh especially for the past two years and years uh yeah um everything's moved online so yes we've been um pushed into that um i wouldn't say within the past few years four years it felt that now was a good time to adapt this script i felt it's been like a build-up like i've mentioned before we've been um exposed to social media um online workshops moving online um yeah i i don't think that uh just to go along with what tina is saying i, I don't think that it, it was a, a particular moment that um drew us to to get in the machine but more more the uh, the status or, or at which we are right now in society and the reliance of of uh of uh, sort of our our pastime being revolved around social media um around the you know the emergence of technological leaps that we've been exposed to be it virtual or augmented reality mm-hmm. i mean you 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 go on youtube now and you just see so many different deep fakes and uh, and and different you know adaptations of uh, of of things where you start questioning what is real and what is fake so uh, we're we're the 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 play is supposedly set in in the near future some mm-hmm. somewhere in the near future but it's actually set in in quite the present mm-hmm. uh, from from like the little i know about it 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 is like eerily set close to home yeah you know like it's very much as johnny said it's meant to be set in the near future but this is these are all basically things which are happening right now which very much would happen right now yeah uh, especially with the way that uh, you know we're 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 constantly um, exposed to to not just these these social platforms but also seeing them integrated within society and it it's funny and it's ironic actually that we are using um these platforms to promote the show so yeah. you know when you think about it it's it's just um Oh, the the irony of of uh, having a Facebook event and going on to you know on Instagram and seeing the posts that we're um, we're um, putting out for for the the rehearsal process, it's it's surreal because ultimately then when we're in the in the room, uh, we're talking about how toxic things like that can be, and we see them very evidently in the text uh, and how how that. Not specifically social media, but um, the advancement in technology and AI mm-hmm. um, have impacted the relationship between Owen and Polly. I do get you both completely on how ironic it is that the um, script finds itself, or in, I suppose in this um, case, it feels as if you're condemning the thing that we're reliant on mm-hmm. in today's yeah. age. It's it's such a um, catch-22. Um, just out of interest, uh, Tina Gianni... Um, had either of you heard of the script before Michael introduced you to it? 
Yeah, so I'm a big fan of Steph Smith, who is the um, playwright of it. Um, we're exposed to that. Before drama school, I had uh, read Swallow, which is another play, another play of hers, which is fantastic. Um, and yeah, and then I, obviously, as you do, you read other plays and then you just build up a repertoire from there. And I had read Girl in the Machine, um, liked it. But back in 2017, 2018, roughly. And then it was just shelved. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I actually um, came across it in 2019. Okay. So uh, I, I was sifting through um, a collection of plays uh, at the, the school library. And this was one of them that came, uh, came about. So, uh, yeah, it was one that completely... Um, you know, stuck out from the, from the rest of the list, especially reading the blurb at the back. It's like, yeah, this is something that uh, that might be interesting to read, and I I, I loved it. So um, I'm really glad that we uh, we have the chance to bring it to life. Yeah, completely. Um, you know, you've touched on this a little bit before, but we'll um, delve a bit into the dreaded C word. So. Um... You know, in light of uh, COVID and how it's kind of forced us all to go online, um, do you think that the piece's message is even stronger? Because since by, you know, being distant, like, for example, I mean, I know all you four are in um, Malta, whereas I'm in the UK, so it would make a bit more sense to work like this. But say I'm not in the picture here, it's just you four, like, then you could meet up in the real world theoretically if you could really be bothered shall we say um but my, but i suppose um tangent aside my question is like do you think because of um like this distancing between us now its impact and its core message is even stronger i, I don't know it's a bit of both i mean when covid hit and everyone went on off online it was like oh no but at the same time it had its perks um you know, you, you end up networking from the comfort of your home. Zoom workshops. I mean, I'm on some workshops both in the UK and LA, which I would never be able to do had no one like pushed everything online. So I guess there is more accessibility. There was as well, on the other hand, like um, I tended to like push everything away. Like I didn't want to use the screen. And then as a you know effect of that, because everything was uh, pushed online or on a screen, I just wanted to stay away from my computer or from my phone. Um, so I guess it's a bit of both. Um, I don't know if the, the message would be stronger now because we've always been affected by technology and socials and everything. It's maybe now more current because we're just all happen to be present online. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's a, it's a, a real mixed bag, um, especially when you, you're talking about... Uh, the reliance of of tech uh, the reliance on technology um, but at the same time you're talking about the you know the addiction to it mm. yeah. there i think there would be two separate things one of them and i think one one which really emerged well both of them did actually and emerged even stronger during um the lockdowns and and stuff like that but i think we've managed to also see different ways of utilizing the technology so um you know trying to just make sense of of the, the situation and coming together uh by having different um cast um meetings not not play um 
um, not sorry, not play castings, uh, the, the, the tool cast or Microsoft Teams or, or Zoom Hangouts. These things were more, you know, uh, it, it was a common thing for us on a Saturday night instead to just meet up on, on, uh, on a Zoom, on a Zoom video and just have a drink um, and, and watch each other and, and talk to each other, which again, it's, I think it's part of the, the necessity of, um, of the technology at hand because of the human, the, the, the human desire of connection. You know, so be it uh, through a screen or be it at, at a pub or something you, you want, you're always craving that sort of, of attention. But um, it, like, like Tina said, it's a mixed bag. There were moments where, um, where you, there was so much going on. A lot of things in our lives changed and we just wanted to switch off. We wanted to, to not listen um, or, or see on, on TV the, uh, or, or, or on social as well the um the deaths the amount of deaths that we were seeing numbers every single day every single week month for four months on end so that i think in itself because of our our in increased exposure to it uh, did cause uh, a, a much heavier mental strain and i, I use it lightly to uh, um, in comparison to a a daily uh, mental strain where we okay. do, we are exposed to, to social media uh, for some people on hours on end. But this was a, a constant pinging after pinging after pinging because everyone wanted to know what was happening outside. Yeah. So we were, we were really, um, I think, reliant on it. But the, it, it also, like I said earlier, it also pushed the boundaries of, of that reliance turning into addiction. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I would say... Um, in that, in a sense, it it is both uh, both a good thing and a bad thing that we we had these options during COVID, uh, yeah. during the during the lockdowns. But uh, I would say that you know us having the opportunity to still be able to connect and see that everyone in the world is at a standstill together, that was the the, the beauty and the crux of it all as well. I completely get what you're saying on that one. I just want to challenge you with a thought that I had this morning um, because I, I was thinking about, you know, this coming up and um, I was thinking about um, like uh, social media as a whole and a, a thought came along my mind is, do you think social media has made us more physically antisocial? Because it's so much easier, yeah. Because it's so much easier just to you know text someone and do yeah. and you know call them, do whatever. But meet up physically in the space and go for a drink. That's that hassle. So There's also like an increase on like social anxiety just because people are used to um, texting or you know not face to face contact. I mean, I know some people as well. They panic when they get a phone call because they're just so used to um, like messaging and it's so weird. But and you know. voice notes and yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's understandable, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do anything but actually talk to people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you also like Tina said. There's that new level of social anxiety. New level. It's enhanced. No, it's enhanced. Yeah, and especially yeah. now with the the easing of restrictions, the, the more you you want to engage with people, the, the and the more that you want to get out. Sometimes it's also uh, you know it's it's anticlimactic when you get to the pub you get to the to a restaurant and 
you you don't know how to face people uh, that that is that has become a reality for some that uh, you know it, it's we have to relearn and retrain ourselves to be a little bit more uh, sociable mm-hmm. it's kind of like we've lost that uh, ability to connect with people in person yeah because it's so much easier to connect with someone online and just like follow them on instagram and send them a message yeah and now and to create that connection with if... someone in person i think that's something which which kind of mirrors a girl in the machine itself yeah and then there's the whole um idea of obviously what our persona is online because we might not be the same on what we upload um, and stuff like that I, I think a lot of people are that uh, and well, I'm generalizing there, but I think a lot of people like that. The, 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 the platforms in themselves are aimed at, you know, portraying uh, a fictitious, you know, gorgeous life that uh, or, 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 you know, glamorous life that people lead, be it the, 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 the dreaded social influencers or um, or even people that are trying to, to be that kind of thing because they think that that is what uh, friends or, or um, you know, people are, are looking for on social media, just to, to find new ways of them uh, being more likable or, or um, again, sociable. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a catch-22 for some because it's, it's like you want to put yourself out there, but at the same time, at what cost? It feels as if you kind of have to, like it's, at least to me, whenever, whenever let's say I post something on social media, I don't do it that regularly, but it always feels as if when I post something, silently I have something to prove. Yeah. Because, yeah. But I, and I mean that in a sense of like, oh, I'm not posting a picture of me hoovering the carpet. Who cares about me hoovering <laughs> carpet? Yeah. Like it's, um, like, it's always, oh, I'm on holiday. Oh, oh, I've got this um, achievement. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's always the highlight, dude. It's the highlights of your life. And then all of a sudden, because all people see are the highlights, I suppose that it be- it becomes quite easy to assume that everybody else's life is better rather than that of your own. And which, which in turn then sort of borders on the competitiveness of it. Mm. Well, on that, how, ma- how many exactly- likes... How many likes are you going to get because of this poster with, or, or, or this picture with a dog or uh, this this bridge, you know, stuff like that. It's it's that's it, exactly but, but what then, I mean. But, but yeah. then again, then again, uh, we're, we're generalizing here because yeah. I think quite a few of us use it because of work reasons. So I, I, I can speak for myself and I think Tina can as well, yeah. that we're, we use social media as a tool because it's our way of engaging within the, with, with other members in the industry and also to let um, casting agents, directors, um, other practitioners as well, um, you know, see what we are doing or we're, what we're up to. That's, that is one of the things. Aside from the the additional, you know, element of keeping in touch with friends, seeing what's going on, we're, we're lucky enough to be in an industry where, uh, you know, even just with one simple workshop, you you get to meet someone who lives in Canada, nine ten hours away, and you barely speak to, or you you very rarely speak to within the year, but you can very easily get in touch with or or catch up with their their um you know their activity very very quickly. So. Yeah, I think we, we, we need to be very careful. And that is, I think, uh, something that Steph Smith did very well with this play. 
you know, she's commenting on 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 um, two polar opposites. One um, like uh, like Polly, who is heavily reliant on on technology, whereas uh, Owen, on the other, who is more laissez-faire, I would say, and he's more um, disconnected uh, from. To a, to a certain extent, disconnected to the technology and more connected within the relationship. Uh, kind of going off that, uh, this is something I'm asking uh, you two kind of like as individuals. Mm-hmm. But you guys had the opportunity to kind of grow up without being so much in the social media spotlight. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys had the space to have... You're making yeah. us sound old, Greta. You're making <laughs> us sound I'm old. Very young. <laughs> I'm just a child next to you guys. <laughs> but you guys didn't have like I, I I remember I had a Facebook when I was like less than twelve years old, I think. You had a Facebook wow. when you were less you than twelve? Yes. What? How? What do you mean how? Well, your friends like your family, so then you could tag them. <laughs> no, no, it was like it, it was we, I remember we, we had like, it was a thing in our year, we had a Facebook before we legally could have a Facebook. Mm. Like, you know how you have to be like a minimum age of like 13 or something to open an account. Yeah. And we had all like lied and then we all had one because it was like cool and this is all new and coming. And we were all like immersed in it I immediately. Mean, so did you, did you, without it. when you were on Facebook, did you have the poke button? Yes. Okay, you remember that, okay. So you're an OG <laughs> Facebook user. Yay! You're an OG Facebook Classic. user. Classic. Um, but, but before Facebook, I mean, became so mainstream, there were other ones like High Five. High Five. And, and you know, and Like I had yeah. both as well. Yeah. And before our before our time, I, again, I, I'm sound. You're, I'm making myself sound old. But uh, my, my brothers are a few or, yeah, quite some years older than I am. And they had MIRC. Uh, so I was exposed to that at a very young age and seeing how they were communicating in in the 90s. So that was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. How, how do you think how you guys kind of like your personal experiences with technology and social media itself affected kind of like how you interpret this piece, how you view it, how you kind of look at everything? Because obviously everyone looks at everything through their own lens. Like it's a personal thing always. But I think you guys had the opportunity to kind of grow up without being stuck to the social media we have now. Because social media we have now, uh, kind of Facebook really made it... I don't know how to explain this in words, but Facebook made it really like photos and family and we're going there and you have to have your mom's uncle's friend as a friend. There'd be a family drama and stuff like that. But back then, when it was like high five, it wasn't this big of a thing, was it? I guess it was just starting off. It wasn't as mm. accessible. Also, internet wasn't like on the phones. Like it wasn't three G on the phones, and when we had to connect, and it was credit, and it was completely different. So it wasn't as accessible, I guess, to completely yeah. check and update your life. Uh, but that was the others. beauty. That was the yeah. beauty, and and the the. Yeah. The, the fear of it all right because you would if you didn't have any credit or you would send a message or call from home and mm-hmm. then go to a bar or something and have to wait for someone to just turn up yeah you wouldn't know when or what time they're going to mm-hmm. if they're going to be late or if they forgot so that's such yeah. a foreign foreign concept to me <laughs> yeah i mean to answer your question um I mean, I guess I have opinions on on that, personal opinions, having grown up, you know, without 
um, that tech and being a bit more laid back as like my personal character. I guess because of the piece, the character I'm playing is the complete opposite. Polly is the person who she's career driven, um, just constantly checking her phones, her emails because her work, um, she needs to do that for her work. So I guess it's very important, like me as the actor, not to judge that character from my personal opinions and then just start from scratch and be like, okay, what would Polly be like? Or So I guess, yes, I have my personal opinions, but I, I wouldn't inform that piece, you know, because I try and push those away and focus on what my character would do if she would be checking it constantly. I mean, we, again, I, this was a discussion that Tina and I had um, before when, when we started, you know, discussing um, Girl in the Machine in itself, where, yes, there are experiences that, you know, both Owen and Paulie have, which are, are similar to um, what we've experienced in life uh, as individuals. But uh, I, I think when, when approaching characters, especially um, ones that are so near to, to, you know, a reality that you know. Uh, you have to be very uh, careful in how you approach it and, and make sure that there's a clean, a clean slate. Otherwise, you're going to come with um, a very biased opinion on, uh, on what this character thinks, what he does or, or, yeah. or she does. And that will, you know, skew the, the message of the writer, the vision of the director and close the, um, the overall uh, approach to to a show like this yeah which... and our job isn't to comment on it it's to do it as actors so yeah. <laughs> yeah. to bring it to life yeah 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 before we um cut to break i just want to ask you both one more question um so with this version of girl in the machine um how would you say that it's like intrinsic to you if that makes sense like what elements have you took that have influenced this version of the piece like we've talked about um social media and the digital age being very prominent nowadays is that something that you've used to influence the piece a bit more than it might have been in the original 2017 version or is there anything else Go ahead. Do, do you mean by as in other theatre productions with technology uh, or other versions of Girl in the Machine? Uh, other versions of Girl in the Machine, I'd say. Oh, then I don't know because I haven't okay. seen any. Well, in that case, <laughs> the first one. <laughs> Same. I, I think both of us haven't watched anything. And it, it's while it's good practice to also get an idea of what other people have done, yeah. it's also a really... Um, uh, it's a dangerous. Diff- it's very dangerous because then you can fall into a trap of, oh, um, I'm going to start comparing myself to what they did or how they interpreted the character, and um, also find it's it's good because you you can find things that um, other actors would have um, you know played around with, but ultimately you're not trying to retell that story. You're trying to t- tell the story from an interpretation of the the whole production of this current production that is happening now, not something that happened four years ago and, and seeing how to, you know, uh, replicate it to the best of your ability in Malta. So whilst the, the text is there and the, we're using the same text and, and we're approaching it 
in in the way that the script demands, um, mm. uh, it it will always be a different show to any yeah. anyone else that would have done. Yeah, something. I suppose it goes back to your earlier point of walking into it as an actor as a um, as a blank slate in a way. Yeah, like because then that way, if you um, again, you're completely right. If you are comparing it to a different version, then it means that you're not being fully authentic to the version that you're creating in that moment, I suppose. Yeah, yeah I think, yeah, just by sticking to the, the original text and um, trying trying to the best of your abilities to, to, um, to portray the character that's on the page, then I, I think that's all that's all that matters. But yeah, may, maybe after after December we'll we'll try and find a, a digital version of uh, of another <laughs> rendition of the play and see if we got something right. Of mm. course. Don't say that. What do you mean got something right? There's no right. No, no, no. In terms of from from Steph Smith Steph Smith's original um, ah, okay. uh, depiction or vision of the piece. Yeah. Mm. Listen, um, we're going to take a quick break here. We will be right back with Gianni and Tina at the next stage. Um, we'll be right back. And we're back. Um, we have Gianni and we have Tina here from Girl in the Machine. Um, I just want to talk a little bit more about your version of production as a whole. So... Could you give us a little bit of an insight, like a very quick overview as to what Girl in the Machine is? So uh, basically, it the setting is in an apartment of a married couple, Owen and Polly. And the play starts with Owen coming home, bringing his wife a present. And the present is a black box, which is this AI um, system. And what it does, it it helps her with her stress. It's like um, she can do meditation and it's, it calms her down. And as the plot moves forward, she ends up getting addicted to it. And then without giving away too much, there's a dark turn. <laughs> yeah, I think one thing that to also add is you start, uh, during the play, you start seeing um, a distinction between uh, what you see Polly's uh, character move from what is uh, real and what is um, not so real yeah. or, or or how how she's struggling to define um, that that um, reality yeah and and crossing that threshold between the the, the real and the virtual uh, so Tina you mentioned that uh, Polly receives this AI and for those people who don't know which I highly doubt no one people don't know at this point but AI means artificial intelligence and that's basically, we've kind of, well, we're working towards giving computers their own brains, kind of. And what I mean is, like, you know, on your phone and you go, hey, Google, it can hear you and pick up on it and kind of ding. Like, probably if you guys are hearing this episode, uh, this episode not with headphones, your phone probably just dings. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and this, this uh, piece really kind of looks at uh, how helpful AI can be, but also kind of how scary it is and how we as humans have to be able to draw the line between, listen, I'm a real human and this AI uh, machine person 
box thing, call it whatever you want. But this AI thing, this AI creation, as great as it is in helping me, it is still not human and not me. So, so I think they, uh, you guys can talk about this better, but I think how kind of this is explored within the piece kind of goes into this a bit more. So like I was, I was mentioning in the break, AI isn't something new or it's, it's, it's not a concept that came around uh, recently. Uh, we, you can look at, you know, novels uh, that date back to, you know, early 30s or early 20s as well, where they're talking about these things. Um, and also in, in the film and, and um, TV culture that we have, where whether it's, it's something like Blade Runner or Matrix or, you know, iRobot, uh, Ex Machina. There are so many different ones where th these things have already been discussed, different versions of it as well. So uh, I think it's, it's more about what I find really um, interesting with each and every version or rendition of it is the relationship between human and uh, and technology uh, so yeah. hu the human and and human element and the ai and the artificial element of it where something uh, well something that is very human in terms of touch in terms of um sight th those things where you would say are are something tangible something that you can um experience whether it's 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 uh watching something or listening to something these things can be done by artificial intelligence we're being listened to all the time <laughs> we're either from our, our google assistant alexa what have you siri or all these assistants that are around are constantly listening to us and new privacy measures are actually being introduced in order for us to 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 block ourselves from from those but i'm i, I don't want to stray into that that department <laughs> Um, they might block your your podcast because of that. Uh, <laughs> no, but what I mean is the, the the cool thing about it is seeing how some people see it as a tool, something that that has made life better, and then something like Terminator, which was something good, and eventually turned into something that is going to kill you, or mm -hmm. or which you know there are so many different opinions on it. I would say. Um, to varying degrees both are true because mm -hmm. it's they're both helpful and they are slowly degrading our our um, intellectual um, capacity and making us all lazy as well mm -hmm. so it's it's um like i said earlier it's a it's a catch-22 it's the best of both worlds yeah uh, to go off of you john uh kind of uh, these uh, ai things are Yes, they are basically our personal assistants, but then if you're going to give them the capacity to think enough to replace someone helping you, then you're giving them uh, enough capacity to kind of outgrow us, which I think is where this whole uh, kind of people are scared of like robots rising up and taking over. Yeah, well, from. yeah, I think I think um, if I had to pull it that back to the play, um, Owen is, is one of those kind of guys because it's mentioned that you know, the, the advancements in technology and, and artificial intelligence are slowly wiping away human intervention and human jobs, be it in, uh, in you know, the healthcare um, industry or even something like uh, the financial sector or, or legal sector that Poly works in. 
so it's uh yeah it's it's a really interesting um it's an interesting and very scary uh, concept of of what our future holds uh, th this relationship between uh, because obviously there, there this girl in the machine speaks about two different relationships to ai and things like this and things like that it speaks about on the one hand the relationship of uh polly who who like who's so reliant on it and sees it so much as a tool and like this is the best thing to ever happen to me so much so that she focuses more on it than on yeah. her actual human connection i kind of want i want to hear your thoughts on that tina especially when it comes to portraying someone who's in that state of mind when you yourself are no nowhere near that state of mind yeah i mean it's a lot of um character work <laughs> so we were lucky enough we did uh, our homework yeah we got the script we broke down the script normal things then we met up a couple of times to like work on the history uh, between Owen and Polly. And then I also did that personally, my relationship with the box and what the box means to me and why I want the box more than my husband. Um, because a lot of it, yes, is in the play. Like you get clues from the text and the script. So then you, you find clues on how you will play this or clues for your character. But then a lot of the stuff you're filling in the blanks or you make them up as you go along because it's just more exciting to play that way. Um, so, yeah, starting off from that and then developing it as a person for me to visualize the person in the box just so it's easier to picture, I guess, and interact with. So for you, Teen, would you say there's three characters in the play? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, John? Oh, definitely. Definitely three characters. I think that's really interesting how two characters are human and one of them's an AI. Yeah. It, even the fact that we that we've gone so far as to call this creation, we've given this creation so such human-like qualities that when we're talking about it in terms of art, we've given it, it's a character now. It's no longer the two main characters and the AI tool, which the piece is about. It's the three main characters, and one of them happens to be an, an AI tool. Yeah. Yeah, I, if, I, if I had to just uh, pull that back into a, an example of a film or, or two films, there's one which is amazing called A Bicentennial Man, which was um, led by Robin Williams. It's a, it's a really good film that came out, I think, in, in the late 90s or early 2000s. And then the other one uh, called iRobot, where one of the, the main uh, things that happened in the film is uh, this this um, this particular robot who, who was, was um, programmed to, um, you know, facilitate and, and help with day-to-day um, -day tasks started thinking for himself. So there are there is obviously now we're, we're getting to a point where even something like you mentioned the, the Google Assistant, where it's it's become so um, evolved that. Eventually, we will most probably have uh, created, uh, you know, a code base of, of artificial intelligence where um, it, it can start evolving and thinking on its own. Mm -hmm. so it's something as simple as, as uh, you know, you, you would say it's, it's crazy, but a collection of zeros and ones can actually do that. You know, yeah. it, we've, we've gone from something like that in the late 
the late 70s to to you know what we have now which is is remarkable what can you can you can only imagine what we're going to do in the next 50 years mm-hmm. and plus mm. it, thinking about it also like seeing how can you imagine what humanity did what we did throughout this span imagine what humanity and ai combined can do yeah. in such a short amount of time yeah, i was just thinking as well um something johnny mentioned even just like you're speaking normally but then you start getting adverts of a conversation you've had which is so creepy but it's just because they're all listening <laughs> yeah, they're always listening and it's funny how we don't not how we don't realize it it's how we like you forget it yeah and it's just normal now it's the norm like yeah. we forget about it but we accept it you become yeah. numb, numb to it yeah it's a joke which... it's a joke now <laughs> Uh, it is, but it's also still very relevant in terms of our own intellectual property and privacy. And no, wait, you, when when you look at no, 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 I, I, can't, I, in... I know, I know, I know. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling your leg. But okay. what I mean is, uh, you, when you think about the the vulnerable moments of uh, if if you decide not to switch off your phone when you're um, you're at a funeral or something and uh, you put it on silent and you hear people talking about a funeral or i know a bit morbid or a casket but then all of a sudden you go on onto your google search and you see adverts for funeral services or flower arrangements or stuff like that you know it, you you start being a bit more aware of your activity online and i that i think that is the difference between the generation that we grow up in. And again, that sounds so old. But <laughs> we're, we're, we're just, what, five or ten years difference. But even in that, in te- from a technological aspect, look what, what leaps uh, we've made uh, uh, like in, in our, our uh, society. Yeah, you keep saying you, I, I'm making you sound old, but you guys are on that older I know, I know, And there's I know. so much difference. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose it's a testament to your earlier point, isn't it, of just... Um, how quickly these things can develop like there ain't that like you know in the grand scheme of things we're not that different age-wise but in terms of what me and Greta are accustomed to and what um you Gianni and Tina are accustomed to are quite different I suppose yeah yeah Yeah. um I mean you kind of touched on this uh this is my next question so um as a two-hander which um if you're listening and you're not sure what I mean, it's a play for two people, or I suppose in this case, a play for two human people. Um, yeah. For for actors, you know, it could be argued that there is an inherent reliance on each other in the space, and the relationship that's developed between the two the two characters, the two characters. There we go. Um, in this case, this would be um Owen and Polly. So, you know, you said that you took the time to kind of work on the relationship and history between the two characters. Um, Can you, you know, without giving too much away, are you able to talk a little bit about anything you discovered in in the space that you found interesting that wasn't at first clued in uh, as a part of the script? Well, uh, when we moved into the space, we... um... There were props, um, the crew brought in props, and um, we had an idea of what the setup would be. So then it was a matter of like playing in the space. And we found that um, each character 
maybe got attached to a certain prop or a certain object. So then we kind of, that became part of our character. So for example, um, Polly is um, connected to more, she's attracted more to the technology part, whereas Owen's character has board games, um, a stress ball, a blanket, um, yeah, more tactile things, I would say, whereas then Polly's character is more digital. Um, so also that helped as well. So yes, there's only so much we can get from off the page, off the script. But then again, the actor has to do a lot more work, much more work. And that's, you know, developing the character individually, but also with your partner. And then being in the space and being able to play um, with the objects in the space also helps. Because that also helps. It builds the physicality of the character, how they hold themselves, um, how they speak, um, yeah, and how they interact interact with you know their lives, their apartment, and their things. Teen, how early on did you get to actually hold the the box? Uh, I was in the first rehearsal. We had props done in everything done, even working props, um, because yeah, they're building some. Um, it's a bit more technical, so they have to build some for the show. But we have stand-in props which we're using. Um, and also it was always communicated like what it looks like and what it feels like so then I could picture it but we had like I had a a working box in front of me which was quite cool so you're always like you always you never had to imagine what the box was you always knew that is what you're going to have this is what you're going to work with and also um, the voiceover of the box is done by Ella Manduka and we have that already and we've heard that already so I also know what the voice is and what it sounds like um, which also helped as well so that was cool as well do you think having uh, Ella do the voice did that create discussions between you and her and kind of you developing your relationship with the box itself uh, no so actually this was all recorded previous to um, our rehearsal I, I haven't met Ella in the rehearsal room, it was all done, um, dusted, and you know I listened to it. So then I just adapted. Um, I mean, it sounds great. It just sounds. You'll all hear it when you come and watch. It sounds great. She did a fantastic job with that. Um, so shout out to her. Um, so then I, I did not have much work to do, I guess, because she was just very good at it. I, I would just add one thing that uh, the the Ella that maybe you know Greta knows uh, that that is totally not her voice. <laughs> when when you hear it, it, you're not gonna picture her because of of the 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 job that she's the great job that she's done with it, especially in um, uh, making it as as uh, without w- with very minimal sound effects, if I may add as well. Yeah, uh, and also or, Alec Massa as well, who edited the voice. Yeah, yeah. The, I, I think one thing that's really, really cool about it is you you hear different versions and different updates, I would say, to the the actual voice in itself as the, the show progresses. Oh, okay. Oh, that's, that's, that's cool. I'm trying to picture it. I, I'm trying not to give it. stuff away, but oh, yeah, it's, really it's an exclusive for the podcast here, ladies and gentlemen. It's an exclusive development in the voice. <laughs> I was very careful not to mention anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to talk about it without talking about it, you know? Yeah, yeah of course. Mike uh, is not I, I kind of want to talk about uh, the space you guys are performing in. 
because okay. you guys are performing in Spacio Creatif, and for people who don't know, it's a theater in a round. It's a very yeah. intimate theater. Yes. And did you guys know you're going to be working in this kind of space before the whole? Yes. Uh, it was pitched with this uh, idea because it's such an intimate space as well. Sorry, it's an intimate play. It matches the space. You know, it's two-hander, third could be argued, but it is a two-hander, two physical bodies in a space. Um, and on a bigger space, unless that's the intention, you physically get lost if it's a big space and you're just two people in the space. So having it in the round, you can have it as a thrust stage as well, but in this case, the round just works. Um, and even the layout, the, the set is very minimalistic, and no matter where you're sitting, you'll always have an angle and you're always no matter what angle you're sat at you'll always have a view so each audience member will have an individual kind of personalized view of it um yeah and i just think it matches the piece very well i think as well because everything's very um from a technology point of view everything's like you know clinical and minimalistic and smooth that the circle like the circle of the round mirrors that which is really really nice as well it's a minimalistic space, and I think it aids the piece very well. Would you say the layout itself kind of helps the audience get that uh, level of kind of a, a bigger insight of seeing? Like They kind of feel like they're God, and they're overseeing everything. Yeah. You know how kind of AI has the ability yeah. to look into everything? <laughs> you know, I didn't think of that an, way, but it works. It's true. Yeah, definitely. That's an interesting way of thinking. That's of a very academic answer, Greta, that. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's you, I'm thinking. It's, it's, a, it's a personal play, and I think the, the venue in itself really lends itself to, to that. Yeah. Um, so it, it can be both welcoming and also intimidating. Well, not just for us as performers, but also for the audience members, because we're uh, less than a few meters away from one another. So they, they really feel engaged, that uh, the audience would feel really engaged and, and um, very part of the story um, of, yeah. of the two characters. And they feel like part of it as well, like Jenny is saying, like if there's an argument going on, you're like a fly on the wall, you're there. Um, yeah. You know, if there's a nice moment, you're there. You feel like you're awkwardly watching. Um, so that's nice too. Almost like they're the AIs. Mm -hmm. Maybe we're all the machine. Da, da, da. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've uh, stretched my theories as much as I could. Um, listen, I want to um, just ask about a, um, like a line that I read from a review. Like... Um, so we've talked a bit about the original production in 2017. Um, there was a review from it in The Scotsman. I, um, If you're interested, I'll put a link for it down in the description of the episode. And, um, you know, they quoted a line from the show which really intrigued me. And it's Owen's line. And um, I believe they say, life isn't a question that needs to be answered. Is that right? Life isn't a question that needs an answer. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, this got me thinking about um, this balance between technology and humanity. And we've talked about this relationship a little bit so far. And, you know, this whole constant um, search for answers. And was this balance something that you kept in mind during the rehearsal process? And 
did that lead you to any interesting conclusions or even any open questions that have really intrigued you? That is a really tough question. <laughs> I think it, it's it, it's depending on the character because I might have a very different answer to Johnny's. Then go ahead. <laughs> um, then you have to answer after me. Uh-huh. Yes, sure. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess from Polly's perspective, I wouldn't call it balance at all. Um, I feel like tug of war instead is a push and pull and one always takes over. And in this case, it is the technology that takes over for her often than the, you know, reality. Um, so, yeah, in her, um, from, from her perspective, I don't think there's a balance. Going along that, that, that aspect of balance, um, we, we do our best throughout our, our lives not to overindulge in things, right? Whether it's having too much chocolate or uh, soft drinks or that guilty pizza on a Friday night um, <laughs> or, or right before this podcast. But uh, <laughs> no, it's, um, I, I think... I, I I kind of agree with Owen's answer because every answer uh, or every response to life's question is going to be different. Uh, we we all have a everyone has a different purpose. Everyone has a different way of of approaching that purpose, and you you it will be very dif- difficult to find someone who has the exact same answer, um, and and lives and and you know. Um, follows that kind of lifestyle uh, the exact same way each and every day uh, without contemplating the, the what if or uh, how how could I do things differently or is this the life that I want to be leading you know it there are we're, we're, we are humans we're uh, that love to question uh, especially uh, now in this in this generation of wokeness, <laughs> mm-hmm. we, we, I know it, it's yeah, funny, yeah. but I, what I mean is we're, we're questioning everything. So whether or not we have to have that extra piece of toast in the morning or we need to take a vaccine, you know, it, we're not, uh, we're not uh, saying yes to everything, which is freeing but also um holding holding us back to it's it is exhausting because it's holding us back from uh potentially you know um reaching some form of of um society where we have less less um (laughs) less trouble i know that sounds very euphoric but because we we've got to this state where we of of overly political correctness of um overly wokeness or woke being woke for the sake of being woke rather than for for really believing in in social justice and and believing in matters that we we do want to fight for as a as a a society those are the things that people strive for in their lives i mean it's it's a double-edged sword i guess yes like you're saying every like I don't know, it just, in every, whenever there's a crisis or there's something or, you know, you think of like in London, uh, the stabbings or the women going missing or the students going missing. There was one, sadly, recently uh, in Glasgow, um, a student of the RCS. And um, you you get a wave of people posting and then nothing. And it's, what's the next thing? So I, it, I'm not saying people don't care because people do and people have big hearts and they 
want to pass on the message and everything. It's just from a social media point um, perspective, it's it's only present until there's the next thing, which is very sad. Even though there is awareness, it's just very sad. And then people maybe not knowing about it and they post just because they feel they should post because people have posted. Mm. And I, I think one of the, the, the things that we also want to or or need to to look yeah, like deep deep within and, and uh you know <laughs> ask ourselves the 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 key question is how far do we want to go at, or at what cost do we want to um you know for um forego to really get the the truth of of a matter or um mm. or or the the real opinion of someone so you you meet someone in outside and they're all smiling and then that when as soon as you turn your back they're probably going to talk about you because it's something to to discuss it's it's just another thing it's a he says she says uh, they say um, situation so um, I I know we're deriving from the the main question and no, it's this, okay. this, it it turned into it's a like difficult a question but it turned into a very philosophical question yeah. but the, <laughs> when you mentioned life isn't uh, a question that needs to be answered to some maybe it is to some like maybe polly um she needs an answer she, or she's she's always seeking the answer we we uh, are always seeking answers of uh, from from the, the questions that run through our minds every single morning every single hour of the day if, did we do the right thing did we cross the road right did we look left did we uh, need that extra cup of coffee you know, did I actually forget to say bye to to my my family or pet my dog before I left? Questions that we're always we have so many thoughts that run through our heads that sometimes I think we need to just stop and just live and and experience rather than just look down at our screens and try and see how to live yeah, to through, through other people's lenses. Mm -hmm. completely um in that case i have one more question that's just come into my head for you both gianni and tina mm -hmm. would you argue that owen and polly are two sides of the same coin Ooh. because because just if i'm going off what i've learned from this it feels very much answer question digital real it feels as if th they're kind of opposites that have attracted oh, themselves. You, 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 you just glitched now as soon as you said digital. So oh, I'm thinking, da, da, oh. Da, 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 da. Yeah. I think Matt, Ella's in yeah. this podcast. I, I think that might just be a sign, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. It <laughs> also means you need to repeat your question. It means I need to repeat my question. Oh, dear. Okay. Let's, let's repeat my question. Okay. So my question is... um. Would Are they completely opposite? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because they both seem to... They're complete opposites, but they seem to just work by the sounds of it. So yeah. would you argue that that is true? Yeah. I mean, as well, opposites attract, I guess. Yeah. So that's completely. why they are together. Um, and I guess as well, <laughs> from a, um, a writing point of view, as an audience member, you find someone to agree with. If they were both just agreeing with each other, there's, you know, drama comes in conflict. Um, 
so if there isn't the conflict you're just there going oh that was a cute show what we're going to do now you know you know this that you need to have like i might be sitting in the audience might agree with owen's character or yeah. i don't know my sister might agree with polly's character so it depends i guess there's a bit for everybody i think and, that's also what yeah. brought owen and polly together the fact that they're they're uh, uh, I think to certain to a certain extent polar opposites, yeah. but then share very um, uh, similar ambitions and um, uh, thoughts on on how how things are in their daily lives. So you have to come and watch the show, and, and then <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then and then I I I'm really trying hard not to, yeah, to give I'm, stuff away. I, I'm it's probing really you for stuff that yeah. you can't say, but you. Yeah. But you're Mike, doing a Michael is going to kill me if I say anything. Oh no, he won't. Oh yes. I mean, yes. I'm in a different country. I don't have to deal with it, but <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Um, but yeah, it, it was just a question that popped into my head, so I was um just inherently curious as to what you thought about it but um it, it seems as if that um yeah it just seems mm -hmm. I, if i were to sum it up i'd sum it up as they have similar cores but different ways of reaching them different mm. goals different they have similar cores oh like the core of what they want and who they are it's similar. yeah but they have a different way to reach it and tap into it okay I think they're both they're two characters yeah. that that we like Tina said you can relate to. Um you you will both love and hate both of them. That's a really I always love that in No no you, yeah. but but honestly you you love and hate both of them because of the way that uh they are and how some are uh, how both of them are just set in certain ways and how they change throughout the show. And how their their relationship changes because of that dynamic, because of the the difference in in the way that they deal with things. That is that is one of the the to use your words, Greta, the core of uh, of the uh, elements of the show. It's it really shows a, a clear distinction between um, one side of of the the coin and the other. Shows have been. Some amazing thoughts. <laughs> Without ruining the show, I might add. I'm really proud of you too for not ruining <laughs> the show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I have one quick final question for both of you. You don't have to explain it. I just want you to know your answer. What's your favorite line from the entire show? Can I swear on this podcast? Yes. The facts are fucked. Johnny? All these programs quietly programming us. Two very good lines. You'll get the chance to hear and see what they mean when you go watch the show. Uh, Gianni, Tina, it's been absolutely wonderful speaking to you both. Um, Thank you for having us. Of Likewise, course. Yes. Um, listen, go promote yourselves. What are your socials? Where can we find the show? Where's tickets? Let it all out. So we have uh, an Instagram, um, Girl in the Machine, at Girl in the Machine. Um, all details are on that, and everything's on the Spartu Creative website as well. Tickets we also have a, a Facebook event that you, you can uh, get links to to buy the tickets. And uh, our lovely um, Monica, who uh, who's taking care of of uh, yeah, she's all... been doing a fantastic job oh, with promoting she's the amazing. Show. So amazing. follow, yeah, follow the Instagram page, uh, Girl in the Machine. You'll have 
all the behind the scenes snaps and shots there. Yeah, yeah. follow, follow, follow. Of course. Uh, everything will be linked in the description below so you guys can go click, follow, check it out and get your damn tickets. Exactly. <laughs> and hopefully uh, get to see you after the show. Of course. And where can we find you, Gianni and Tina, individually? Uh... So my <laughs> handle on Instagram is um, Ritza93, R-I-Z-Z-A-93. And um, yeah, that's where I'll be. And I am at Nino Selvaggi, N-I-N-O, and my surname, Selvaggi, on uh, both Instagram and uh, Twitter. Cool. Those will be linked down below as well. So you guys don't have to pause and type out those spellings. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, once again, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's been a who. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having us, guys. Thanks for having us. So that was Gianni and Tina from Girl in a Machine. We had a really interesting conversation with them and you definitely should go and see the show. Tickets are available and you can find the link for them in the episode description. Until next time, we'll see you at the next stage.